everyone who is watching live and will be watching in the future. My name is Lydia. I'm the executive director of Wild Goose Creative and I'm here with B1 who is a very well-known local artist here in Columbus, Ohio and really excited to talk to him about how COVID has affected his work, um, his, his, his background and, you know, the future, future for him in the art scene here. So a little bit before I get into that, um, I will talk a, a bit about Wild Goose. So we are a nonprofit community arts organization and our mission is to build a creative community. So we are proud to offer when we are open to the public, um, over 320 events a year connecting arts and audiences in central Ohio. So we are all about providing space and resources for local artists. So if you're an artist or creative, you can rent our space for very low cost, um, $50 an hour, which provides a lot of opportunity because their space is really needed, um, especially for, for artists in Columbus. So we also offer professional development workshops and programming. So the programming spans from our visual art gallery that we have every month to comedy shows, um, a theater, dance, improv, pretty much everything across the board. Um, we're all about providing accessible arts programming um, for very low cost. It's, it's usually $5 or less to attend our programs. So um, a bit of an update about Wild Goose. We are actually moving from our SOHUD location here at 2491 Summit Street to Franklinton. Um, the space that we will be moving into is really amazing. And B1 actually just finished a wonderful mural that uh, we'll talk about in a bit. Um, while that space is being worked on, we will have a temporary location at the Bridge Gallery in, at 400 West Ridge. So, we'll be able to continue doing some programs and, um, and really having a presence in Franklinton as, as we transition. So we are in the middle of a membership drive. We rely on members to really invest in what we do in the community. So you can be a member for as little as $5 a month. And that $5 a month goes so far in helping us to maintain our operations, especially now um, with this transition of not having as many events uh, happening. So you can find more about that at wildgoosecreative.org slash support. So enough about that. Um, B1, welcome. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks how are, for having me. Yeah, how are you today? I'm feeling good. Um, it's been a pretty productive day. So. Yeah, what have you been up to today? Uh, just client work, design work, t-shirt designs. Um, I'm also working on a website right now. Of course, I just finished Wild Goose Mural. <laughs> yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your history, and how long you've been you've been an artist, basically. Um, I've been an artist, I guess, my whole life. Uh, I really started taking it serious around, uh, I would say, 13, 14. Um, Growing up in Cleveland, uh, painted in the streets a lot, um, airbrushing also, we switched over to that. Um, I got an apprenticeship at a young age, um, which actually opened up a lot of doors, uh, learning how to airbrush as well. Um, working at an airbrush shop in Cleveland, uh, Ron and Don Wills, those were my mentors. Um, that taught me a lot about the business aspect 
of you know of the art world um i thought that part was boring of course but uh the airbrushing and everything i, I learned how to deal with clients and execution proper ex execution work execution and um i would say like the, since then since a young age you know i kind of been bred to do this you know so everything happens for a reason i feel like it's like the, it's the universe a little bit yeah. Yeah, for real. So you're also from Cleveland. Um, Lachey, who I interviewed last week, was also from Cleveland, and I am too. That's my people. It's a Lachey. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> I think Cleveland and Columbus are just so cool. I think their art scenes are uniquely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in my opinion. <laughs> Two worlds apart, actually. I feel like Cleveland has a lot of more high art institutions because there's a lot of old money there. Whereas Columbus is more of like, it's reflective of the entrepreneurial scene. Mm -hmm. And it's growing. It's, it's growing. Um, I can't say that about Columbus art scene, especially since 2014. Sheesh. You know, the last six years I've watched tremendous growth in Columbus and um, I'm happy to be a part of it. You know. You had your first show at Wild Goose in 2014, correct? Yes. Can you tell us about that? My first show at Wild Goose Creative, November 1st, 2014. I remember that. Um, and because also um, those, uh, that time is really significant to me as well. Um, during that time, when I was creating the, the my first show, I Am, um, I had run into some issues about like, getting represented from galleries and stuff like that, um, kind of got turned away um, or this timelines and stuff like that. Um, the date is significant because it's actually one of my best friends, it's his birthday. And he helped me a lot during that process of uh, creating my first show. So it was actually like my first show and his birthday all at the same time. So it was, it was pretty cool, which um, which opened up so many doors for us as well. Um, Chill, if you're out listening right now, much love to you, man. I appreciate you, bro. Um, but yeah, he helped a lot with curating my shows, reaching out to people and everything. Um, and of course, my mother and my family um, helped me put together my first show at Wild Goose. So your friends and family are literally your first line of support. And if you can't get it from them, man, it's, it's going to be a rough ride. Um, so I'm thankful for that support system that I do have. And I was able to put together a successful show at Wild Goose. I'm so thankful for Wild Goose for actually letting me do my first show there. And um, with Instagram still being fresh at the time, um, my show actually, like the buildup of it kind of got some, um, got, caught some wind. And um, I guess some of my pieces also got discovered in the process of just that in that short period of time. So the month of this November, excuse my language, but shit happened so fast in the month of November alone, because that month of November in 2014, of course, I had my first show. Things like doors opened up immediately. Um, I started getting reached out from um, it was Tuck Magazine in Atlanta. And then it was Conception Gallery up in New York. Um, and that's when Art Basel came about. So those two entities linked up in one month 
first of all, like, I didn't know what Art Basel was. I didn't have any idea about anything. And these two entities hit me up and said, hey, can you get to Miami in basically like two weeks? Like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. You know, so it was... Um, Insane. Yeah, the Wild Goose opened up that door. So, like, yeah, that is. I think things were still a little, a little more authentic on Instagram at that time. Yeah, you know. So, um, the the reach out was very sincere, and they told me what they wanted and what they wanted to do. And if I could get to Miami, I would be all right. And they weren't lying. So once I got to Miami, like. I end up doing a show with them, Conception Gallery. I end up doing some live body painting. Um, I end up doing a wall there in Miami that same weekend as well. Um, so it was, I did a wall in Wynwood, did a body painting show in Wynwood in 2014. And um, that ended up landing me with Art Miami. So uh, I end up doing uh, a project for Art Miami at, at Coral Gables Art Museum, I believe. And Art Miami, I was in their um, their newspaper and stuff like that. So, which opened up more in Miami. And then after a while, like I'm not gonna lie, I kind of just stayed there. I was back and forth to Miami. Once they showed that love, mm-hmm. it was because it was throughout the year. It wasn't just at Art Basel at that point. Um, right. Because I end up having three projects before the next Art Basel in Miami. So the people of Miami started to actually recognize me. So it was like, okay. So in 2015, by the time 2015 came about, that art Basel was even bigger, you know, where I collaborated with other artists on body painting events and also sold artwork. And yeah, it went on like the the next couple of years, art Basel. Such a success story um, and really just represents everything that our mission is at Wild Goose is to just provide a platform, like provide four walls. Right. do whatever they want to do to take risks to experiment i mean our mission is literally building a creative community at the intersection of art risk and meaning mm-hmm. and while that you know can be kind of elusive it's it's like that is really what we want to do and whatever idea you have you can make it happen at wild goose and that's why i needed it and yeah. that's why i'm thankful for it because nobody was really like it's the 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 image I was going for in my head um because I could have got any venue to be honest you know I wanted a gallery space mm-hmm. and the thing was gallery spaces were not on it they said well you have to join the gallery oh you have to do this or you have to be a part of this committee or you know what your work doesn't fit you know or you know what we don't carry your style of work and I've heard that too. I'm not going to mention any names because some of those galleries I'm actually good with now. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of those galleries that, that that show me love now here in Columbus, they weren't so receptive to me before. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone has to get their start somewhere. And yeah, I and I understand, but... That's where our niche is, is like providing that start and also really kind of creating a seamless... Um, energy between emerging artists and also more professional artists. Like a lot of times we display them at the same time and really create a dialogue going on, on different levels of artists here, which is super cool. So, so you, so you grew up in Cleveland and then, and you had your first show here in 2014. So when did you come to Columbus and why did you come to Columbus? 
Um, I came to Columbus because I ended up getting a scholarship at CCAD. Got it. Yeah. So um, after high school and everything, um, I graduated in 2007 from high school. <laughs> and after high school, a year later, um, I came down here because I ended up having a scholarship. And uh, CCAD is expensive, man. <laughs> Sheesh. That's the most expensive college in Columbus, I feel like. Uh, definitely. It would have been cheaper for me to go to OSU. But uh, no offense, though. <laughs> but, um, I went to OSU. Yeah, I, I ended up getting a scholarship to CCAD, though. And um, it looks really good on my resume, at least. <laughs> it looks really good on my resume. You know, Louis Vuitton looked at me for that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, geographic issues, though, came into play. I don't live in Texas. <laughs> so I guess my question is like, are you, um, before we get into the more specifics about your actual work, are you interested in staying here in Columbus? Um, or do you have, you know, a site set on other cities or do you just want to have this be your hub kind of? Um, before I was all for Lee. Um, and it's because of my experiences with traveling. So and after the show in 2014 and after the Art of Basel, um, so many more projects end up coming about because I met so many people in that in that space at Art Basel. So I end up doing jobs and from Miami, and Chicago, LA, you know, back to Atlanta and so forth. Um, but during those travels, I kind of got like lonely, man. I miss the family and stuff. So I mean, even though you spend a lot of time in hotel rooms. By yourself you know so um you miss home um i love traveling i wouldn't mind going to stay in a, another city for my max is three months now um before i wanted to live in la and every place else and i because i absolutely love la um but it's no place like home i, I love ohio i think i'm gonna stay here now as of right now um and I think, to be honest, after that talk with Corey Faber and Marshall Shorts, that's who, that's who kind of really made me want to stay home a little bit more. Corey Faber and Marshall Shorts actually made me want to stay home. Because um, uh, right before my second solo show, Spread More Love at um, Denmark, that the uh, Thankful for Creative Control Fest, and uh, Marshall Shorts, Corey Faber, for putting together actually my second solo show at Gallery Denmark. Um, but they actually had a talk with me in as we were putting that show together, I was actually in LA. So my second solo show, I was actually in LA during the whole process. And then I came back home and we did it. So I was actually working on work out there and I have pieces here. And then I came back home and we literally put the show like mm -hmm. together. Um, but they actually made me stay, uh, make me want to stay home more because um, they showed me like, hey, you know, it's it's more opportunities here. Yeah. You know, we're doing more, you know, when the time where you left or, you know, when you were on your journey, it wasn't as many of us or as many opportunities yet. And um, since then, it has been a lot more mm -hmm. opportunities. So um, not just Marshall Shorts and Corey Favor. I, I actually have to thank Yogi as well for that because he also said the same thing. Like, just give me a chance. He did say, I remember that conversation at Warhol and Wall Street. He said, give me a chance. I guarantee B, just give me a moment and you won't have to leave the city. I was like, 
okay. <laughs> Next thing you know, to spread more love, mural came, uh, the Columbus Harlem Renaissance, the celebration of the centennial project came, and uh, so many more other that. Um, Gateway Film Center. So there's it, so many projects that end up coming up. And everybody kept their word. So I think that's kind of what made me yeah, stay. Yeah. Everybody kept their, like, because it's a lot of people, like, on my journey, I've heard a lot of, um, oh, we can do this for you, or we'll do this, and we can do that. And it comes with a lot of false promises, you know. And uh, when these guys said it, to be honest, um, they probably, listen, if they're listening right now, I didn't believe them either. <laughs> I didn't believe them either because I, I heard it so much. And then when they actually backed it with action, it was like, all right, cool. You know, maybe I can do more work here in the city and stuff. And and um, in that process also, they kind of um, exposed me to the people that already recognized me. So on my travels also, I didn't know what was happening at home, right? So I didn't know that, you know, as I was posting or bringing things together or talking about certain things that people actually at home was watching. I didn't think that, you know, so I'm, I'm just creating and working at this point. I'm just trying to make it, make it happen. Um, and then when I got back to Columbus, like more, it was like open arms. And that, I think that was the confusing part. Um, in 2018, when I started to realize, like, y'all really like me a little bit. <laughs> like, so You can see your work everywhere in the city. I just want to share my screen so that everyone can see the mural that you just finished on our new building. Can you see that? Love it. Yeah. So this is called, so the title of it is Wild Love, correct? Correct? Yes. yes. So it's it's really beautiful. Um, it I feel like it really frames the 400 square area when you're looking west from Fort West Ridge. Um, so really, I feel like your work is so different from anything being done right now in Columbus. So how how do you feel that your message and style dis distinguishes? Um, to be honest, I just did what I wanted to do um, in, from the beginning. Uh, the way you, so the, the, everybody has this thing, like artists have this thing going on a journey that we face, right? We go through a lot, um, finding our style, trying to figure out what we're going to paint or draw or the direction we want our careers to go and this, that, and forth. We stress about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And the best thing to do, honestly, is to just be yourself. And I had to stop looking at other people's artwork other artists artwork because what happens is that um you compare yourself you doubt yourself um you try to emulate that versus who you are and then you you, you go in a circle so now because you're trying to figure it all out but you're not following your own path you kind of run in a circle versus you know because it's going to be a, a crooked line it's not a straight path to this there is no you know um I'm going to make it overnight type situation, you know? So I think just discovering your style as far as just drawing and painting and exploring yourself and knowing who you are as an individual. And that goes outside of your art. 
So and I think that's where a lot of artists, they think, oh, I just got to draw well. No, you got to actually know who you are as a person as well. Um, because to be honest, I was drawing and painting those hearts and stuff um, before the, the notoriety. It was in my sketchbooks um, and stuff that I painted in the street. I just didn't think that people would be receptive to it you know, because it was hearts and it, it really was a, a, a band-aid on an ugly situation. That's kind of where the whole spread more love came from, um, spread more love in a world that shows so little. So if you're growing up in the projects or the hood, ain't no art galleries in the projects. So, you know, um, I learned about line weight, gradients, transitions, all of that, looking at street art. You know, so I've I seen the different uh, line weights and everything like that, the different gradients and the, the color theories, the way they was all put together. And this was all before high school. You know, this is just growing up in Cleveland, seeing it. So that's actually where I got um, the first art education is the streets. You know, and that's what essentially helped me also um, find my style with the pattern and the motif that I have now, because it is something like repetitive at the same time or a motif. Um, and because in Cleveland um, and just about any other place, the most goal for street artists is all city go up, you know, um, fame, you know, put name to your fame to your name. Basically, it's who can get up the most, you know, so you want it. Uh, we call them heaven spots. Maybe it might be like a water tower or the top of an old bando or old building or something like that. Um, but. Yeah, like a lot of my style just really just came from um, my childhood and growing up in Cleveland and stuff like that. And then the, the other art education came in later, you know, proper education, I guess you could say. But the base of my style to this day is not what you see from CCAD, but it's what you get from the streets from Cleveland. You know, so that's actually like where you see the heart set, where you see those geese set in the proportion, that's from CCAD. No, I, I <laughs> that's from CCAD, yeah, but was, that original heart motif, that's from, that's that's raw, that's authentic, you know? <laughs> it's a really interesting combination of your more formal training with the influence that, you know, you, you've, you've just gained naturally from life. Um, and I feel like people respond to that so I'm curious, how would you um, how would you describe the difference or similarities between like the Cleveland street art scene and here? Like, what do you are there opportunities here that are not in Cleveland or vice versa? Or, like, okay, um, I mean this with all, all as much love as possible. Um, I don't want any Columbus City officials to get mad or anything, but in in Cleveland we. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crime everywhere right now, <laughs> like, but um, in Cleveland, at least we have places called Free Walls. So when I was growing up, we had a place uh, under the bridge, like West 25th, basically. It was almost like, um, and, in, and in LA, they have it too on Venice Beach. Basically, it's a, a location where artists can go and paint free without having to worry about police or uh, gang involvement or anything like that, because also growing up in Cleveland, like you paint in the wrong neighborhood, you some some of us would carry a gun to go paint, <laughs> but um, if you're in the wrong neighborhood and you're painting, you might get robbed or shot, or because they might think you're gang affiliated, right? 
So that was another issue. Um, but that's why the West 25th, like under the bridge that came about because it was a safe zone for all artists to go and paint. And they also have that in Venice Beach. Um, I'm not sure as far as New York or any other cities, but my experiences in Cleveland and in LA, um, I know they have free walls there. I think they should have something like that in Columbus here. And um, we only have one location that I know of, and that's um, the Lookout Supply out west. And that's my boy Ketchup. Um, he has walls that artists can go out there and if they want to practice a new medium, because at the end of the day, like we're, we're really changing that perception too of what uh, graffiti artists and street artists are, right? Because um, this, this part of the world to say, hey, this is illegal, this is vandalism, this is this. But then we got those, these, these same people or these elite and the, these rich people in certain worlds and they can sell a cause painting for 14 million. But that same guy was a street artist in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So what, what part of the culture is okay and what part isn't? You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of picking and choosing, but it's, it's mainly like on with what the galleries and those elite people can capitalize off of. Absolutely. And I also feel that there is there are so many blank walls in Columbus, but not enough money to pay the artists. Mm -hmm. um, like Cincinnati has a public art fund, which we don't have here. And then in some cities, there is a stipulation that any new real estate has to have a certain percentage um, as public facing art, which has not been passed in Columbus yet, as far as I know. So I think there's so much potential for finding more funds to pay artists to, you know, to paint. Um, well, even if it's not necessarily like uh, that, that is great. But I'm talking about a location in Columbus outside of Ketchup's where it's safe for artists who are interested in aerosol to go and paint, mm -hmm. you know, without having to be harassed by the police or anything like that. You know, so um, mm -hmm. because this is a it's, this is an art form that the world is now getting more receptive to it. And I believe only because of the commercial aspect of it, you know, so. Um, because we weren't making no money off of it <laughs> and that, and before, but now it's like that once the galleries felt that it was um, acceptable, they start. I mean, we we seen that clearly with John Michel Basquiat. It was a he's a perfect example of that. You know, going and painting the streets, and then once someone of certain nature says, "Oh, you know what? This is good. We're going to put this price tag on it, and now let everybody come to this gallery because I said it's good enough." We're going to now pay two million for it or three million for it. So, and that's, I think, in my journey with art, that's the part that gets frustrating. Yeah. It's like, who's to say, like, who are you to say my work is now good enough? Or, you know, because I've seen some horrible, like, what, what I might consider as horrible. Mm -hmm. And we're in this the contemporary era where you can do just about anything like the banana situation at our Basel, right? The, the guy literally put a piece of duct tape over a banana and it sold for millions. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost like some people feel like artwork is just like pure alchemy. Some people feel like it's a joke. Some people feel like, you know, um, like it's a ripoff, you know, um, and they, they have their right to feel so because I even felt that banana duct 
tape situation was a joke. It was almost like a mockery of what we do, you know? And um, that artist, you know, who, who, who did it, he's known and everything. So it's just like, uh, I, I, is it a popularity contest? <laughs> right. I mean, it's just fascinating how art has changed throughout society over the years and the way that the public perceives what art is. And, you know, it's just, it is such an elusive thing. Um, and, and really, I feel like taking art outside of the just traditional gallery space is, is really interesting. And, you know, I feel like the more that we can provide that for artists in the city um, in an accessible way to explore their art, like what you were saying is really interesting. And I hadn't even thought about that. Like, I didn't know that Cleveland had that. Is that near um, the West Side Market? Yeah. Yeah, I, I literally went past it and I noticed Exactly. It. I don't know, like I haven't been home lately, yeah. uh, but I I'm not sure if they if that's something they still have going, but they used like they used to do like um what is it? Uh I what it was called, but every year also they would do something like a city scribe, but we had um like where different graffiti artists and stuff would come out every year in the city. And it would literally be on the West Side Market as well. So we have like b-boy contests. It would be other artists like a painting and stuff like that. And it's kind of like what what Ketchup does here in Columbus yeah, with the yeah. Lookout Supply. And I think that's what kind of made me gravitate towards that as well because it's like a comfort zone, you know. Um, but yeah, we, we if we could have something more so like that in Columbus, you know, uh, maybe down somewhere. Seriously, think about it. I mean, I, I think this is a, a real thing that mm -hmm. could garner some support and maybe we can make it happen somehow. Yeah. I would love to be a part of that process. So how um, obviously COVID has affected a lot of creatives and and how they work. Um, how has it been for you and everything? Ooh, um, in the very beginning, uh, in March, I got depressed, yeah. I got depressed, to be honest. Um, I didn't realize uh, how much design work like I, that I had in nightclubs and skating rinks um, until March, you know? So, like, all those contracts that I had, like, because, of course, everything got shut down. So... There was no nightclubs that needed me. There was no skating rinks that needed me. There was no promoters club or roller skating promoters that needed me. No barbershops, beauty salons, all of that stuff. Like my clients didn't need my services. So um, that was a bit difficult. Uh, when they started to give out the, the stimulus checks and everything, I didn't receive one of those either. Um, so... I'm from Cleveland and I'm a hustler. I'm from the east side. So I thought about it. I was like, you know what? How can I make money when everybody else is getting stimulus checks? So what I did was I made shirts. I made masks. Um, I did prints. I did. I used my resources, you know, the best way I could. You know, um, I just put my artwork out versus because I, I, I had got comfortable doing client work. And that's where it was, you know, it was like, all right, I'm doing design work here, doing flyers here, doing logos here. And, you know, sometimes I uh, 
wouldn't even do my own work because I'm so focused on the day job. And um, COVID actually, it was like, it was bittersweet because it made me get back into my bag as far as what uh, painting and creating what I wanted, you know? So I lost the contracts and everything, but I end up making money in other ways by creating, you know, prints and other work. So um, it got better around, yeah, end of April. Get <laughs> caught up on some bills, May, and then things started to turn around with the murals and everything. So, you know, yeah, I'm thankful. But it, it it got dark for a second, man. <laughs> um, absolutely. I feel like a lot of people are felt or are in the same boat. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's interesting the different responses for different artists. Like some, you know, really like felt motivated during this time. And others just creatively couldn't really do much. So I think it's interesting how something like this can really affect your creativity. Yeah, right now, especially uh, because it's like so many uh, emotions flying, you know, with the um, the murder and killing of Breonna uh, Taylor, you know, so like that situation, that scenario, um, that story, it just kind of like threw me all the way back because I can't imagine anybody kicking in my door and shooting or anything at one o'clock or that late in the morning. And, and, you know, so that, that scenario, I don't mean to get too, too far into politics, but that scenario actually woke up other parts of um, the message that I wanted to display. And that's what me and Mr. Robot Geek did down at Madison, you know, on fifth and high, um, and those pieces um, were very symbolic and we had to get that out. You know, that's why we put up Marcus Garvey, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And then also we put up the Pan-African flag to represent the the hundred year celebration that Marcus Garvey created in 1920. So the Pan-African flag was created in 1920, also during the Harlem Renaissance. So we just celebrated the Harlem Renaissance of a hundred years and we also celebrate the Pan-African flag this year that was created by Marcus Garvey. So I put that um, artwork up on the GCAC and also up at Madison. And actually you can see I'm working on a canvas piece behind me right now because it's a centennial, it's all year. And um, a lot of people actually didn't know the history of it. So I found myself actually while painting on the street, um, letting people know, you know, while we were painting at Madison, even at the GCAC, you know, People were like, I know those colors and I know them, you know, but what, what flag is that? And I would tell them like, oh, okay, well, this flag is the Pan-African flag created by Marcus Garvey. And they were like, oh, okay, I didn't know. And I was actually surprised, but, um, you know, cultural differences. <laughs> I grew up, in, grew up in the household, but I, I was surprised uh, to know that just as many Black folks didn't know either, though. So um, I guess it just depends on how you raised. Yeah. So would you would you say that murals and street art are really like your first love, creatively speaking? Yes. Yes. Um, that is definitely the first love. Um, and then I would say uh, airbrushing and um, canvas painting and stuff. So I, I think like the, to be honest, I like doing graphic design and marketing and branding and developing you know projects and concepts for companies and small businesses don't get me wrong you know i love doing that type of stuff because i still get to be creative um 
But I think that was more like, because I wanted to, I knew I always wanted to work in art, right? And we we always hear this perception of the starving artists. And um, even growing up watching TV or whatever, you know, media portrays this painter always as a starving artist or, you know, poor, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not for that. <laughs> I wasn't for that. I'm not, I'm, I refuse to be that. So, um, yeah, I work hard, man. I work, <laughs> I work hard and uh, I, after, like, while I CCAD in, in studying illustration, um, I kind of realized that too. And um, the reason where I realized it is that one of my, uh, a student, a fellow student of mine was basically like, yeah, I'm an ad and graph because basically um, his mom and dad felt that fine arts was going to be a waste. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, you changed your major because your mom and dad said fine art is going to be a waste. And, and I didn't, I was just, I had thought about it. I was like, I'm an illustration major, bro. Like, okay. But, mm -hmm. But it made me think, like, how, because his parents said, how are you going to make money after school? What are you going to do? Are, you, are your paintings going to sell? Are you that good? Like, it, that is, that'll get to you mentally. Because his parents really broke him down. But I felt like the message was for me. So his parents, like, broke him. But his parents actually made me think about it. Like, damn, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, because guess what? I met like it's no offense. I met CCAD uh, graduates who work at Best Buy, or work at a call center. You mean tell me you got this prestigious degree, and you're not doing anything with it? Nah, uh, uh. So mm -hmm. I thought about that, and I took ad and graph classes as well. So I learned marketing and branding. I ended up taking those as like secondary things, and um, I ended up starting to do. Uh, I ended up taking photography classes as well. So I made sure that I was well-rounded of an artist. So no matter where I went, I could take care of myself um, because I didn't want to be the starving artist. So I took it upon myself to learn photography, to learn graphic design. I tattooed for a second. Mm -hmm. Like anything that comes to the arts, I, I, I've done it. Like, so. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, I don't even want to say day job, but the mm -hmm. thing that makes you maybe more consistent income is still in the creative field. Right. Then like it feeds your soul. Cause I think a lot of times it's like, that's not, you know, your, your day job is not at all related to art and then it can kind of get hard to get back into it. And so that's why um, I'm actually going to be teaching it. I am teaching a class at CCAD called arts management and good. Cause they need it. Yeah, well, it's really just like providing another option for grads to have a career in the arts still, like maybe working for an organization or an arts nonprofit or a museum. So you can still have a stable creative career that's in that field, but then also, you know, have your own creative process that, exactly. that you do. Uh, I think just being multidisciplinary, like exactly like you, um, is so important. And we try to provide knowledge around that too at Wild at um at Wild Goose with business of art and things like that. Mm -hmm. But so here's my last my last question. Um, 
what, what projects do you find most challenging and what do you find most, well, I guess you've already answered this, but um, the, the projects I find the most challenging to be honest is dealing with certain clients. Um, and it's mainly when it comes to their business, you know, um, whether it be t-shirts or logos or flyers. Um, and they, what's that term? The customer always knows best. It's a, if the customer pays, the customer is always right. right. That's what they say, right? Okay. No, that's not true. That's not true because my job is literally to provide you with the best quality service, right? That's why you come to me because you want a professional graphic designer. So if I'm designing your logo and we sit down and we literally put everything together um, and I create something for you, it's not like we hear that because they say the client is always right. Client is always right. We hear them out. Sometimes those clients don't come up with things that's aesthetically pleasing or that might be good good for their business. So um, as a designer, it's not really our job to educate you. And this is what I was taught at CCD. Our job is literally to provide you the design that you want, right? Um, in, in, in this journey, um, though, I've realized, I, I did that, what CCD told me to do, right? Um, and I realized like some of these people don't know design. They don't know. So how, how can we expect them to know what to give us when they don't know themselves? You know, so a lot of times you might have a client says, yeah, I want this, 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 that, and the fourth. And it's literally icing on top of shit. So it looks horrible and they don't realize that. And so even when you do a design for them, they might think it's too boring or this, but what I've learned was line weight and aesthetics and measuring and, and down to the pica, but they don't understand none of the terminology or nothing what's going on. It's just not the way they want it. And I understand that, but in, in the process of doing this, I, I've, I've made things the way clients want them exactly. And then in the end, they want to change it later because they don't think it's good enough again. But it, I've done it exactly like they want. However, I've learned once I educate them or talk to them about it, they understand or they get it. Or I have to give them examples like talking about Nike or Adidas or their favorite brands or just looking at Giant Eagle, you know, for that matter. Just I have to educate a lot of my clients on marketing and branding so they can understand because they're going to they're trying to develop a business. So not only am I providing design work, but now I'm educating. So as of lately, I've done a lot of that where I feel like, man, my prices should go up because once again, CCAD told me my job is not to educate, but to do the job. So now I'm falling into consultation, you know? So now it's like, okay, so now I'm, I'm a consultant for your business. And, I, and I've, really had that. I've had people hit me up because they know I know about design and visually, you know, how to make their brand visually appealing and they won't get no design work from me. They just call to talk. 
I didn't get that. I didn't understand that at first. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, we just shooting the shit. And I'm giving people my ideas and, oh, I'll do it like this. And then you see associates come out with that project later or do that, you know, and That's it's fully cool. developed. And it's like, oh, maybe I should have kept my mouth closed. Like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I, I'm going to give you that, Jim. But I've learned over time to also, like, keep it keep it tight. So I don't, I don't say too much now. So I guess, what? so what do you see the future for yourself? Like, what, what are projects coming up? Is, like, consulting a thing that you're, like, working on? Um, I have been lately. I have been doing more um, with Dolphin Black Studios. Um, I do more consulting work as of lately. Um, but I'm also doing the design work too. Um, I've had some people just hit me up on consultations where they need feedback and they've paid me for that and it, it, it's worked out. So that's why I know like now because of the track record, I feel like I can charge for consultations now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just, you know, that that's just the, the day job. And um, you said like not to get too far off, but you said that's the most challenging basically. Sure, sure. Um, as yeah. far as the most fulfilling is doing, you know, what I do normally since I was younger. And that's just painting on canvas, doing what I want to do, not necessarily for a client, but doing something that I want to do. Personally. Yeah, and, I, and I feel like when you get paid to do what you want to do is, is the. Oh, goal. yeah, it's great. <laughs> it, yeah, I do. I mean, it's a lot of people that um, as that in the last couple of years, I can't say that. People have bought my paintings. Um, uh, I've actually been very successful with selling paintings, you know, so um, I just don't have the time to do them all the time. Like I, I want to actually. And um, I think I'm, I'm slowly getting, getting there because um, like even right now, I'm not taking design jobs because I'm literally catching up on some of the work that I'm doing now. Um, so I, I would say like, that's the most fulfilling though. Just regular paint, canvas, aerosol, you know, take it back to when I was a kid and that's the most fulfilling. That's my happy place. Well, I can say that your work is really, really becoming very iconic throughout the city. So um, we're so happy to have kind of come full circle with you and the, doing the mural on our new space. And you'll definitely see it when you go down to, to 400. Um, so how can people get in contact with you or like what's your, your social? So they can reach me from my website at www.b1.com, B-E-E, -E, the number one, N-E.com. You can reach me on Instagram at B1, B-E-E, -E, the number one, N-E, underscore. Um, Facebook, the same thing, B1. Also have Tumblr, everything else. But you can literally find everything from my website or Instagram. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're so busy. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course, I'll make the time for Wild Goose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so also, I want to thank the Reese Brothers and Nicolette Cinemagraphics for putting on this um, art tells yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this is wonderful. And I will be um, hosting another one next week. So stay tuned for that. And thank you. Thanks, B1. Thank you for having me.